0: Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in experts and authors to help writers of all genres compose more authentic cops, crimes, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, the incomparable Mark Cameron steps back into the interrogation room to see if he can get his story straight this time. Mark retired as a chief deputy U.S. Marshal and he's now a New York Times bestselling author. He writes the Jericho Quinn thriller series, which debuted in 2011. Since then, he's written eight Quinn novels and four Arliss Cutter novels, which feature a W.S. Marshall based in Alaska. The most recent in that series is entitled Bone Rattle, and the upcoming Cold Snap launches in April of 22. Mark is also the author of five Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan novels for the Tom Clancy Estate including the most recent two installments, Shadow of the Dragon and the upcoming Chain of Command, which launches next week. Mark, I greatly appreciate you coming back on the show and talking to us about this latest release, Chain of Command. I am so excited about this because I've been reading this on and off for about six weeks while I'm balancing out my grad school work and um, my own writing. And you really keep ruining my effort to do anything else productive because all I want to do is get this book finished. <laughs> I appreciate that. It, yeah. Well, I I appreciate the 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 effort you put into this, man, because it's really clear in the writing.
1: I, I am so impressed. No, oh, I thank you. My nefarious plan has come together to make <laughs> people lose sleep and not do their chores. Perfect. Ruining lives and marriages
0: everywhere. Exactly. Mark Cameron. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Uh, what what inspired this this story? And I, I know it's probably been uh, a little bit more than uh, a few days, few weeks, maybe even a couple of years since you first started working on this. But what what made you think of this plot and this story?
1: Well, I, I you know we're always trying to think of something to do to get Jack Ryan out from behind the desk. <laughs> you know to add, you know he's the president of the United States and. Uh, Clark's getting older, so we want to give them things to do that are interesting and mm-hmm. dynamic. And um, I had read a book on my wife's recommendation called Bottle of Lies. Um, the author's name is Kara- Catherine Eben, or Eben, I don't know how you pronounce her last name, but it's about the prescription drug industry mm-hmm. and generics. And it's, fan- it's, it's a nonfiction book, fantastic, reads like a spy novel. Um, so I read that and sort of, you know, looked at the zeitgeist and um, it just seemed like, you know, we have the axis of, quote unquote, the axis of evil, you know, the, that are the, the bad guys that we go back to all the time. And it seemed like a good time to do a super empowered individual instead of a superpower. And so we just played around with those things and tried to give Jack Ryan the, the worst that could happen to him and plunked him down in the middle of
0: all that so in in light of that while we were
1: talking i was just checking
0: what is published so far on the marketing materials for this to make sure i wasn't going to put a spoiler out here
1: yeah it's out there it's (laughs) weird that it's out there i don't i that's that's kind of a new thing that (laughs) publishers do you're like oh i'll surprise the reader wait it's on the flap so yeah yeah, yeah, it makes so it, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead and do what you
0: got to do. Yeah. So w- from a craft perspective, right? Like um, we always want to put our characters in the worst circumstances. We want to run them through the knothole backwards and make their lives miserable and make them really suffer. And mm. everyone else, including Mr. Clancy has left Kathy Ryan alone since Patriot games. Right. And you've decided to now, attack jack where he is probably most vulnerable um and i i wonder how you went about writing that but all, uh, kind of balancing uh, some of the reader expectations in this kind of very specific universe
1: yeah that's a really good question and tom colgan and i went kind of back and forth about it debating he's he's a really good um guide you know he's been working on the clancy projects for years and years since with with mr. Clancy uh, and then of course all through Mark Graney and Grant Blackwood and and Mike and now Don and um, I so so he was a big help but I what he does is keep me honest and what I do is keep him honest because I you know we he'll come up and say you really think this will work do you really think she would do that Do you really think he would do that and I'll point out all my tabbed paperbacks where I said, well, he did it in this book and he did it in that book. So we can have him do it in this book. Right. Uh, Because a lot of times what we're, I don't want to say fighting here, but what we're up against is people's memory of Jack Ryan Mm -hmm. instead of what's really on the pages about Jack Ryan. In in fact, I was talking to Don uh, Bentley, who's, done a great job of, oh, of writing yeah, his first uh, Jack Ryan Jr. And we become pretty good friends along the way um, in our back and forth. But uh, I was talking to him about reader expectation. And, you know, a lot of people, they come to the newer books having read just the newer books. And then they go back and pick up the older books. Or they don't even go back. And then there's that group of people like us who started. I mean, I, I started... Yeah. I, think I told you the first time we talked that i started the hunt for october when i was in the police academy so oh. i can gauge my career <laughs> by clancy book so oh yeah i was on a way to protect a judge in new york with a marshal service when some of all fears came out and i left it in the back of my um airplane seat and had to buy it again so um actually when it came out in paperback so i uh I I was talking to Don and I said, you know, what we have to think about is writing a book that makes Clancy readers feel like they felt when they read a Clancy, not writing a Clancy book because it's a different world. Mm -hmm. We can't get away with the things that Tom Clancy so brilliantly, I don't want to say got away with, he was writing for that audience. Robert Ludlam was writing for that audience. I remember reading The Born Identity, and thinking this is awesome if you go back and read it now i still think it's awesome yeah but a newer reader who's used to video games will think this guy spends a chapter with a dude floating in the water right yeah um so we can't we want to give that clancy or ludlam or whoever experience the way we had it and you can't do it by writing the same book
0: no and i i just recently um went back and tried i i well i'm trying i haven't put it down but it's on pause uh but i am trying to finish uh, the day of the jackal uh, yeah. for the second time and it's a, a, a similar struggles um you know it's a very different style of writing very different time pre-internet before you know all the tactical nuance of uh, cops and military and spies was so prevalent and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know um i had a, a reader uh, email me uh, last week that he picked up one of my conspiracy books. And there's a, a, a specific I used a specific model, I uh, did a little research, but I f- used a specific model of a Learjet to get my guys in a private plane across the Atlantic. And he went online just to confirm that that plane could actually have the range to get them over there. And he, oh, yeah. he, he emailed me to say, thanks for, you know, doing the work. And I'm
1: like, man, you, I, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I appreciate it, but man, no, it's, it's I, a different audience. That's, you're exactly right. I always joke, but not really joking. That mm-hmm. A lot of Clancy readers sit down with a TI graphing calculator and a, <laughs> you know, the internet clicked open and read everything. I was trying yeah. to, Write something, and I had a young uh, midshipman from the Naval Academy helping me out on I can't remember which book Oath of Office maybe, um, and we were talking about satellites and intercept and apogee and all of that, and yeah. I and he was helping me with the math, and I said I am not going to commit that to paper. I'll have him do figures in his head because somebody yeah. will either I'll mess it up or somebody in post will mess it up. Nope, there I'm I'm not going to because I've gotten emails from, with my Jericho Quinn books, I got an email from a nuclear physicist who said, love your book, but you got the half-life of plutonium, whatever, off by 35,000 years. And I'm like, okay, I guess I've transposed that number that has very little to do with the story, but um, I'm just happy that some yeah. nuclear physicist is reading my books, but no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So we had to be, we have to be careful. Plus people keep a very strict, Um, a strict encyclopedia in their head of what this character likes this kind of whiskey or this airplane was a, you know, whatever, Learjet, whatever. And I've flown in the Learjets before with the Marshall service. They had one that I know of. They might've had two. I know what it's like. So if you write about a different kind, I'm going to know, but then there's a bunch of people that have flown it on, you know, whatever Microsoft, flight simulator, or whatever, and that's their <laughs> experience. And so they're gonna come at you that way. So yeah. yeah, we have to be in in my experience, you have to leave out what's wrong. <laughs> you you yeah.
0: know. Well in, in leaving out what's wrong, I appreciate I, I almost feel like you're reading off my my, my notes here. Um because <laughs> one of the things that is really unique about this universe we uh we talked about it before in uh, about Jack Ryan Um, when we spoke last year about him being so unique as a character in that he's kind of the guy that we all would aspire to be. Um, And as I was reading through uh, Chain of Command, uh, I think uh, two or three nights ago, thanks for the lack of sleep, but uh, reading through a couple of nights ago, it really struck me that everyone in this universe, all of the good guys are good guys. And that really flies in the face of everything that we're told as writers about making characters relatable and getting reader investment in a series. And you have done this in such a fantastic way that we fall in love with these characters without really noticing that we couldn't live up to them.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, we go back and forth a bit in editorial about that. Um, you know, there are certain things that are kind of sacrosanct, you know, with, with certain characters because they're not my characters. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to give Kathy Ryan advice that, yeah. that he didn't, you know, the, the man himself didn't give her or Jack yeah. Ryan. Although I will say, and I pointed this out to the editor, to tom um colgan that um reads some of all fears jack ryan had Mm -hmm. some he was had an alcohol problem he he was impotent he he had some serious marriage issues they were all stemming from a big misunderstanding that i don't want to spoil the old 1991 book but they're 94 whenever it came out yeah Um, but a big misunderstanding that his wife had that that Clark and Dean cleared up. But I, but he wasn't a perfect guy, and he still mm-hmm. isn't a perfect guy. In fact, in this particular book, um, he he has a meltdown. Right? I don't know if you've gotten to that part yet, but he does that, and but he handles it. He's human, yeah. But he handles it as a good human should do, and that's what that's what we try. But there is. You, you make a valid point. There is very little room for um, less than a, you know, a little bit of a Herculean, little bit larger than life goodness to Mary Pat and yeah. everybody. Yeah, and I, I think that that you know, is really interesting
0: from you know, perspective and, and looking at this or reading through this book. With my cop background, knowing that it pales in comparison to your cop background, and the way that I felt like you went a, went into a little bit of extra detail in some places to justify some of the some of the violence that these guys have to commit against some of the the bad actors, um, without spoiling it in some places where the bad actors have not specifically taken action against them and they're going in to try to save someone else. And and that's a very realistic moral quandary for anybody who's in a, a guardian warrior position.
1: And it should be. If, if you don't have a, I was talking to a friend of mine in he's retired now, but in the counterintelligence business um, and we talked about, and I think I even used the term I, snatched it away from him and used it in the books, but he calls it a sociopathy within bounds. You mm-hmm. have to be able to remove yourself from the way rank and file everyday good folks feel, mm-hmm. but you still have to have bounds. And I, and in this particular book, not that a, you know, not that every fast moving thriller has to have some sort of thesis, but this one kind of did. And it, it, it When I was thinking about it, I wanted to compare the Camarilla or Camarilla, if you're speaking Castilian Spanish, the, the Camarilla with, with the campus. And so here's two, just a mirror image, one or the other. And, and because of that, it should make campus operatives look themselves in the eye and say, what are we all about here? Mm-hmm. What are, why are we different? From this other off-the-books agency just because we work for a government
0: yeah yeah and i think that's a a really really valid point really valid um self-examination for for anyone in that position but also for these characters in this universe to go through right like i think to some degree um any character that's in a in a uh, a positive Protagonist position um, should have these kind of moral quandaries, yeah, um, exactly. and you know I think if you go back and read, um, you know the original uh, Ian Flemings, I think even uh, even Bond struggled with you know a lot of these kind of things and the, his mm-hmm. fatalism and you know his uh, his position outside normal society, kind of looking in, and um, you know it's one of the things that. I would expect really does at the end of the day, make these characters so relatable because even if they are doing all these other things and even maybe living in excess of, of our moral capacity, they're doing so for all the right reasons and for the right people.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. I'm glad you noticed that. It, it certainly takes a toll and, and you and I have known people that have had and, and have had ourselves, you know, hard situations that we've faced, mm-hmm. but then we've known people who've had, least I have known I don't want to speak for you but I've known people who've had so many that it's just stacked and people only have you know everybody's stack tolerance is different and and members in the in the if I think of these people as real people which I do while I'm writing the books especially I am because I I have a the way that I enjoy writing is that over the shoulder POV where even the narration in a POV scene is kind of in their vernacular, who whether it's Adara or Clark or whoever. And I, I just I, I see these things cinematically, which I also see in these characters' hearts, mm-hmm. as best I can. I try, and so you know, Adara's having some rough, rough time in this because her st- she was a she's a healer. She was a yeah. Navy corpsman before and. Um, but she still does her job and does what she has to do, which I think makes her doubly heroic. And in light of that, thanks again for the transition. Um,
0: I I would expect, as we've seen, kind of an increased role of some of these secondary characters, even in the Jack Ryan series that that you're writing versus the junior series that uh, that Don Bentley's working on now. Um, with Adara in particular, as I'm going through this and having admittedly not finished the book yet, but I'm, I'm already, I've already been wondering how this is going to end up playing into her struggles in the future. Like what's, what's, yeah.
1: Good. <laughs> very good. Very good. No, very At good. Least on you. At yeah. least they didn't put that on the cover flap. No, huh? okay. oh, let me read it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on there. No, no, no. Um, and
0: with the, uh, with that, too, from a, a, a character standpoint, I know, obviously, you and and Don and write in the same universe, but it is a, a different series. Um, and I wonder how you guys work together on these characters. because uh, Jack Jr. seems to be a lot more in this book than I remember him in the other Jack Ryans. Um, and I that, that may just be my perception
1: well it, he yeah he's not he's mm-hmm. he he's he's in it more than last book yeah but the first two books he was in it quite a bit and mike and i had to kind of deconflict and and about a, a few things and and it, it was difficult um first three books maybe but um the last couple of books i don't I, in fact um shadow of the dragon i think Jack has one Jack junior has one fight and the rest of the time he's in the backseat of the van. So I see why you're saying that because he is in this one a little more, but not, he's not, what happens to him is not integral Mm -hmm. to the plot with the exception of consoling his father. Um, Anybody could have done any member of the campus could have done what he did out in the field because I want Don to have his character to, play with to yeah. explore and grow but i feel like the other members of the campus and you know i keep a good conversation with don but the campus are the only action characters i have to do with that aren't political yeah. and so i i grow those guys try to a little bit each time um and so far it's worked out really well with don and my uh, kind of back and forth. We each know Tom. In fact, I was just talking to Don yesterday about the last, about the next Clancy. Um, so we have to talk a lot. Now with, um,
0: we uh, spoke a, a little bit about this on, off, offline before we made it official here, but um, you mentioned that you've got quite a few books in progress right now for the readers who uh, should be lining up to get all that stuff pre-ordered what are you actually working on today (laughs) versus like what's so
1: so, um i'm writing another Arless cutter novel to be number five arlis cutter um i uh it kind of goes like this when a book like chain of command comes out we're doing publicity for that i had to work on a synopsis and a kind of a thumbnail outline for the next Tom Clancy to get that to Tom Colgan. And uh, we had a, all the days running together. I think it was the day before yesterday we had a, a pretty long telephone meeting. Um, and I got to say, Tom Colgan is super, he, he, he's super dedicated because he called me from Hawaii on vacation to, to wow. chat about this stuff, um, <laughs> which is fine. Cause it was nice to get it that, Kind of off my plate. I have to compartmentalize. So we spent probably an hour, hour and a half, just chatting about what I'd pitched him for the next uh, Clancy. All the while writing the next, uh, the fifth Arless Cutter in the series, and then a couple of other projects that are related but not necessarily books. So, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 like a it's a it's a job, and I have yeah. to think of it that way and get up mm-hmm. in the morning and. And uh, work at it, and not figure it's oh, I'm retired from the Marshall Service. I'll just kick back and you know drink ginger beer on the beach and write when I feel like it because I can't it can't do that.
0: Well, that that's uh, that's what was in the ad when I responded to become a writer. That's what I was yeah, applying exactly. for. <laughs> exactly, like like the true detective, be a detective ads, and when we were kids. Right? Yeah. Um, now with the Arliss uh, that's coming out in, uh, in April, um, what would you like readers to know about, uh, about that character, that series and that, that installment?
1: Well, if they read Bone Rattle, so Bone Rattle had a subplot and, and I, I get accused, I'll say this, I get accused sometimes good naturedly, sometimes, you know, damn you, Mark Cameron, kind of a thing of leaving cliffhangers. Well, life's yeah. a cliffhanger. Yeah. And, especially in police work and working investigations, Mm -hmm. um, fugitive investigations or homicide or assault or whatever, you never clear your desk. If you go on vacation, if you want to leave, you just come back with a stack of more stuff. And so Mm -hmm. while there's an A story, a B story, rocking along, um, think of Bosch, for instance, on television or a Bosch novel. um, There's always some killer that's still lurking when the book's over. There's always something going on. And so the the C story, if you will, or maybe even the B story in um, Bone Rattle, which really focuses on Arles Cutter, a uh, deputy marshal in Alaska and his Cook Island Maori Polynesian partner Lola Te and they're, you know, there back and forth and then and then finding the bad guys and whatnot. Um, there's this sea story with um, a serial killer in chopping off people's appendages in uh, Anchorage, which is based on um, some real torsos that float up here, have floated up here in the past, oh. and and uh, also feet and legs that just keep floating up in Alaska. It's uh, do a Google search. It's yep. it's sort of weird. Um, <laughs> and, and then and then just the plain fact that. The sad fact that Alaska ranks uh, very high in in uh, missing Indigenous women and and then battered women um, and sexual assault mm-hmm. and all of that. So that story is uh, finished up in Cold Snap. So we, but then there's always something else. Yeah, so, yeah. There's
0: always another C. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, where
0: can readers connect with you, follow your works, keep up on what you're doing and uh, your, your travels or not travels this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, just Mark Cameron books. I, um, I've got a, a pretty good website uh, that, that author bites put up. They're great folks um, connect with me through the website, their social media. I'm not, super active on social media but i i do get on it once or twice a week and um look stuff over but uh love to i love to hear from readers i just may not i may get one of those nasty grams from facebook saying (laughs) your percentage is going down because you haven't responded within 15 seconds but uh yeah yeah but i do like hearing from readers and i will get back with folks well it's been an absolute pleasure
0: having you on i i feel uh obligated um at a deep moral level to, to thank you and the Clancy estate and Tom Colgan for continuing this series. Um, it's just absolutely incredible that this universe gets to keep living on for all of the readers. And I'm so grateful to you and everyone involved in, in making that happen for us.
1: Thanks. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be a part of it.
0: You've been listening to writers on the beach where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast to the authors on the air global radio network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been retired Deputy U.S. Marshal and New York Times bestseller Mark Cameron. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.